You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Live Devotions, and thank you for joining me today. Humility and holiness is the title of this devotion. What Jesus brought from heaven was our salvation, which is wherefore his name shall be called Jesus. The word means Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. It was said there in, what is it, Matthew 3.11. And it is such a wonderful experience when you come to know Jesus Christ that you're introduced to this humility and holiness that is not found within human nature apart from Christ. It is only through Christ that we are introduced to this heavenly, holy humility and holiness that He brought from heaven, which is our salvation. And I want you to look with me here in Isaiah 57, I love this verse in, in, in Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. Now, if you would just take some time and just meditate on it and pray it and meditate on it. There is so much in just this one little verse. But the thought that I want you to see that, it, that the holiness of God dwells with the humble. And he describes the humble as those who are contrite and humble of spirit. Contrite means you completely got nothing left of self. You're not insisting on your own rights. You're not pushing for your own will. You're not anymore gnawing inwardly for your own desires to be satisfied. You are totally contrite. You're completely humbled yourself. Cast yourself before the Lord, which worship actually is bowing down, bowing down. And you've cast yourself before the Lord upon his mercy seat in total humility as in in total submission, in total surrender, in total giving yourself to him. And the holiness of God begins to manifest upon that, begins to dwell upon it. You see, the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter, what is it, verse 23 or verse 15, somewhere out there, he says, Be holy, for I am holy. There is none holy but the Lord. There is <clears throat> no holiness <clears throat> apart from his indwelling presence. In the whole 50 chapters of the book of Genesis, there is only one mention, <coughs> excuse me, there is only one mention of holiness, and it's right at the beginning where it says on the seventh 
they, the Lord, rested from all of his labors and he hallowed that day. You see, where God rests, where he dwells, holiness manifests because he is holy. In the book of Exodus, the whole book really is an introduction in Leviticus and Numbers to living holy, being made holy, becoming holy, and what that means to live set apart unto God, to be his people and so forth. Oh, it's, it's amazing how you could see the preparatory work of God in the book of Genesis to bring them to Exodus, where he brings them out of the bondage of sin and self into the liberty of the sons of God who begin to know him face to face as holy. One of the most powerful examples right here in the book of Isaiah concerning holiness is right at the beginning in chapter six. And this is actually the initiation of this great prophet who served the Lord so incredibly over the lifetime of five kings and who was, according to tradition, martyred at the end of his life by that fifth king. When he, as it says in Hebrews 11:34, was sawn in two, where it says some were sawn in two, referring to Isaiah there. And Isaiah, he died a martyr's death, but he gladly gave up his body for the greater reward of the life in eternity with the Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus. Isaiah prophesied about Christ in, in a phenomenal way. Zechariah was one of them who also incredibly prophesied about Christ. But Isaiah was called the evangelist of the Old Testament. And he was... A very educated man. He was a scribe. He would take the notes down of what the king was saying and what was happening and so forth. And yet, he was a humble man. He was a humble man in that when he saw the glory of the Lord, there was nothing in self that sought to exalt himself in the presence of the Lord, but rather to humble himself. And I want you to see this. You see, humility is not for people that lack uh, intelligence. No, humility is for everyone's heart. It is for the most simplest person as the most, most educated person. Humility is something that you can choose to embrace in your heart, to refuse in your heart. It is really part of a choice. Yes, it's a work of grace, but it is also a choice. You choose to humble yourself or refuse to humble yourself. And Isaiah chose to humble himself. And he was here in, in chapter six of Isaiah, he was in the house of God praying when the king Uzziah, whom he had served, had died. He started his, his work as well as in the natural, as well as in the spirit, in the years of King Uzziah. And his son Jotham and so forth continued and others after that. But this is when, and Uzziah died. Now Uzziah was a reformer for the Lord. And he began to bring the nation back to God. But but Uzziah made a mistake and then he passed away. And, And Isaiah was really brokenhearted at what would happen to the nation. I think today there is plenty for you and me to find our knees over 
and to say, Lord, have mercy upon our nation and return our morals back to our life that represents your ways and purposes for all of us. You know, Lord, restore your church in our nation again to not be ashamed of the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. Let it be preached from every pulpit throughout the land. Give us laborers, Lord, that will stand up in the fire of your Holy Spirit to proclaim the good news that Jesus saves and that there is a reward for those who serve the Lord and turn from darkness to light and so forth. Lord, there is so much we could pray, the wars among the nations, the tragedies happening. I mean, just earthquakes and other things and so many precious souls who perish and all the different challenges is enough just in our own land. So many marriages are broken and so many lives are crushed by life circumstances and on and on and on. There is enough for you and me to fall on our knees like Isaiah and say, Lord, Lord, without your guidance, what's the future of our nation without your help? Oh, friends, there's enough for us to follow Isaiah's example. Here he's in the house of God praying, humbling himself. I really charge you with this. Don't wait for God to have to push you to the point where you have to choose, will you humble or will you not humble? No, just humble yourself. Just humble yourself. Oh, I plead with you, humble yourself. Go before God in prayer. You say, Pastor Robert, I've tried. I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. Don't go by your feelings. Do things that are right in God's sight even if you feel the opposite. I don't feel like stopping at a stoplight, but I do it. Why? Because it's right. I don't feel to do a lot of things, but I do it because it's right. Do what is right. You say, well, I'm tired of doing what's right. I never see the reward of it. God is a rewarder of those who seek to do what's right for His name's sake. Oh, my friends, don't ever think that doing right is a waste of time. Do it because it's right. Go on your knees and humble yourself before God, even if you feel nothing, and do it anyway, and do it com consistently. And here Isaiah is in the temple. In the year, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, 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 the thrice holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And before I read the next verse, what was he saying when he says, woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips? You see, Isaiah realized in the presence of God's holiness, he was no better than anybody else. You see, sometimes we can, just it's human nature, start thinking that we're something we're not. 
start behaving in a way that doesn't fit the humility that God is looking for. And we start thinking we're better, or we're this, or we're, we're smarter, we know, whatever is the nature in which self exalts itself. It can come in any kind of disguise, but it is still the same nature. Whatever it looks like, it's kind of like the two men who came to pray. One was a, was a, a Pharisee and one was a publican. Jesus uh, tells this story in, in the, the Gospels. And, and the, the, the Pharisee, a religious zealot, a religious example of what it means to, to be godly. He said, oh God, I, I, I do this and I do this for you and I'm so glad I'm not like that man. And the publican stood there and dared not lift his face, Jesus said, but beat himself on the chest and said, oh God, oh God, oh God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And Jesus said, the publican went home at peace with God rather than the other. You see, self, self can have its own disguises. You know, where we think, oh, I'm so grateful I'm not doing what they do. And yes, there is a part of that where we say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for, for cleansing me, for washing me. But there is also something, and that isn't the right thing, that we look down upon others. And that is not God's way of, of showing gratitude. Never, never, never God's way of showing gratitude by looking down on another. And that was his deception that he didn't realize that he had been deceived and that self had found an exaltation in giving praise to God. Oh God, I'm thankful. I am not like him. So he's giving praise to God by exalting himself. And the humility was not there to find that rest in God's presence. And here Isaiah came into the presence of the Lord and he said, Lord, I'm no better than the publican. Do you understand? I'm no better than anybody else. I feel like a stranger to this holiness. I feel like this is not me. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. He says, woe is me. I'm undone. The word undone means I feel like a stranger because I'm of unclean lips. So he's bemoaning that he, you know, that his life isn't really what what he is seeing in the glory of God. And then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, your sin is purged. And I heard the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he said, here I am, send me. And I, he said, go. It's amazing how it, in one moment he says, Lord, I'm undone. And the next moment he says, I'll represent this holiness. It shows you how God can bring change to us as we find that humility that embraces that holiness. Today's title is Humility and Holiness. When we embrace that humility, that finds that holiness of God. Oh, friends, I long for this day and night. I read a scripture a long time ago that made a deep impact on me. And it's right here 
in Leviticus where Moses says to his brother Aaron, who is the high priest, and Moses says in Leviticus 10 verse 3 to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near to me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. When I read that, it was like the Holy Spirit put that scripture into my heart and into my mind. And every time I was praying, I said, Father, I want to come near to you and know you're holy. I want to actually what Moses says by those who come near to me, by those who stand beside me, by those who stand beside me and must be regarded holy. And before all the people in them, I must be seen as holy. I must be seen as glorified. And so I pray this all the time, Father, I want to stand as one with you and know you holy and see you glorified in all I am and say and do. And you see, friends, God wants to implant into you that which really will encourage you even to seek humility that you cannot find within your own efforts. You see, we can do our part in humbling ourselves, but then the Father brings to us the sweet humility of Jesus that he brought from heaven and how he humbled himself even to the point of death and offered himself by the eternal spirit, a perfect blameless offering to God. That eternal spirit, that Hebrews 9, 14, comes to your heart and begins to bring you into the consciousness of the humility of Jesus. And you come into the full stature of this consciousness of God's holiness and seeing God glorified and you begin to have an inward yearning that is there daily by the Holy Spirit, a groaning that he, Romans 8, 25, 26, 26 talks about, where you inwardly feel the groaning of the Holy Spirit that God may be glorified in all that you are, say, and do. In other words, that he may work all things together for good by transforming you into his likeness. Oh, I tell you the truth, friends. God will lead you to scriptures like this, where here in Exodus chapter 32, Moses is prostrating himself before the Lord 40 days and 40 nights and he keeps bowing down and falling on his face and saying, Lord, Lord, have mercy. Lord, Lord, have mercy. Lord, Lord, have mercy. Lord, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. And he's seeking mercy to triumph over God's judgment to destroy the people. And, and then the Lord's presence begins to manifest as he keeps humbling himself. He keeps humbling himself. And this is what Moses says to the Lord in verse 32 of Exodus 32. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. And I know, my friends, we wouldn't know how to really pray this unless we were in such a place of humility with God. What place? where you represent the most fallen soul that God has given you a burden for and represent them in his presence and say, Lord, if you will not forgive me, then I have no life for you. Then I have nothing. 
I have nothing. I'm not here on my own behalf. I'm not here for my own mercy, own mercy, own satisfaction. I'm here for their mercy. You see, that's the cross of Calvary. That's the beauty of the humility of Jesus. <coughs> he was humbling himself before the Father, not for his own righteousness, but for the salvation of the whole world. And God would like us to live for something more than just our own salvation. He would like to be able to entrust us with the burdens of so many precious souls who don't know what to do to find help with God. They don't know where to go. And the Lord is looking for you and me that He can employ us and that we fall down before Him and weep before Him and weep before Him and say, Lord, if you don't help them, I, I can't live anymore. I can't go anymore. I cannot just go on myself and be happy and see them in despair. You see, the true humility that God wants you to have is not just for your own welfare. It is for the benefit of others. And then look what begins to happen in Moses' life. I find it most overwhelming. It says in chapter 33 of Exodus, verse 11, So the Lord, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. You know what I find so amazing? It says, you read this in Ezekiel 20, chapter 20 of Ezekiel, but you see it also in the beginning that the Lord's wrath against Israel's idolatrous heart and hardness against him was provoked, but he withheld his wrath so that his name would not be defamed before the Egyptians and how he would deal with his people. So he didn't deal with them according to their behavior, but he dealt with them as they didn't deserve for the glory of his name, for the Egyptians to get to know God, to see what a savior he was, despite that the ones he was saving were not worthy of saving because they were so rebellious against him. But he wanted to give a testimony to the Egyptians. Very powerful point, actually. And he says, I will bring them into the wilderness and meet them face to face. How did he meet them face to face? Through Moses. How does God want to meet people out there? Through you and me. Through you and me. Because look what it says here in chapter 34, verse 29. Now it was so when Moses came down from the mountain, Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. You see, Moses took on the image of God. He represented God. He, he was as God to the people. In other words... When they saw him, they saw God. When they received what he said, they received what God said. And there is a glory, dear friends, that God would love for you to begin to discover through the humility he wants to reveal in you, the humility of his son Jesus and the holiness of his life in his presence where people, when they meet you, they meet him. When they hear you, they meet him. They hear him. I really believe that this is what God's calling you and me to. I believe God doesn't want us to just live for handouts. He wants us to become the hands that hand out. 
Did you understand what I just said? That we don't just come to God for hands outs, but that our hands are His hands. Our mouth is His mouth. Our face is shining with His love and His life. Now, why don't you start thinking about this and praying for this and saying, Lord, here I am. I'm all yours, Lord. And humble yourself like Isaiah did. And the glory of the Lord will come. It will come. It will come. It will come. And God may bring it into you slowly, little by little, day by day, introducing to you the humility of His Son and drawing you by His Spirit into His holy into the rest of his holy presence and where your heart becomes freed little by little from what distracts it, from what misleads it, from what hardens it, from what separates it from that life of his presence and holiness. And you daily through what you're going through in your daily experience are learning the humility of Christ and daily you begin to live in it and you come into a fullness that the Father may be glorified in you through His Son, Jesus. Amen. Have a good day.